cash is flowing into the push to modernize clinical trials, but a number of obstacles remain. Hey there, Pulse Check listeners. This is Annie Reese. Say there was a global pandemic. Remember that? And new drugs and new treatments needed to be developed quickly and safely. That's where a clinical trial might come in. There's the hope that pushing these clinical trials to modernize can help bring medicine forward and deliver those cures that we've been trying to achieve for so long. On the show today, Ben Leonard. My name is Ben Leonard, and I'm a health technology reporter for Politico. On the move to modernize clinical trials. Yeah, so I think it's you know part of a larger push to bring medicine into the 21st century. Um, it's you know medicine's really lagged behind in a lot of other industries in terms of tech and innovation, but there are a number of obstacles in the way. So I just want to start with you telling me the problem with clinical trials. Why does the way that trials are conducted need to change? So clinical trials have been conducted largely the same way for a long time. Um, they're generally housed in one place, and everyone has to come from wherever they are to come to this one site. Um, and that's largely been you know, elite medical centers and things like that. So that can be a really long journey for a lot of people. There's been some research that shows that trial participants need to travel up to 50 miles on average to get to these sites, and very few Americans actually end up participating in these studies. That poses mm-hmm. a lot of issues in terms of diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be harder for people from marginalized groups to access these studies. And that can, you know, be a, a medical problem as well because people from different racial and ethnic backgrounds can respond differently to different treatments. And on top of that, there's just a lot of inefficiency in the process. It can be expensive, and it really has not adapted to the modern day. You know, Amy Abernathy, the number two at FDA, a couple mm-hmm. years ago told me that many of these trials are circa 1995. Even the mRNA ones wow. during COVID, some of the features are circa 1995 because of this inefficiency and inability to kind of leverage this modern data that we have um, at our fingertips now. So what's at stake if they don't change. I mean, it sounds like there's this real growing dissonance between like the fact that they're sort of stuck in 1995 and that other parts of medicine are like leaping ahead technologically. Yeah, so it will continue to be expensive and, you know, not representative, which is, um, you know, got not really good for anyone, you know, whether it's, you know, the people hosting the trials or patients, um, you know, it, it really has ripple effects all throughout the system. Clinical trials are huge for developing new treatments, medical devices, things like that, that help us move forward and better treat the diseases that we have. As we saw during the pandemic, um, you know, some of the most closely watched clinical trials in history, obviously, were the the COVID vaccines, Mm -hmm. and it really changed a lot of our lives. So modernizing will certainly help speed up the process and help us get cures and treatments faster. So you've been writing about these efforts to modernize clinical trials. What what are those efforts? So there's a lot of people involved. Um, there are a lot of tech companies, and also the FDA is involved in this, and there's public-private partnerships. First off, I guess on the government side, um, the 21st Century Cures Act, back from under President Obama, set its mm-hmm. sights on kind of modernizing trials. And the FDA has set it as a priority for a number of years. They're working with the Clinical Trial Transformation Initiative, public-private partnership founded by Duke and the FDA back in 2007. So it's a kind of a long-standing effort to try to incorporate more real-world evidence, 
which can help um, kind of remedy some of these data issues where you don't have enough people from diverse population sets. And it can also help you find the right sort of patients, say someone with a rare disease. Um, They're hard to find if you're just putting things out traditionally. But if you can mine electronic health record data, you can find participants much more easily. So the FDA and a number of tech companies, including Google's Verily, are kind of at the forefront of this, along with a lot of startups and newer companies that are working on decentralized trials, which um, use telehealth and a number of other technological advances to draw in participants from a wider range of places and also mining electronic health records to you know, find the right participants for their trials. And it's been a really lucrative sector in recent years. Funding, it's a almost $3 billion industry as of last year in terms of just venture funding um, globally. And funding has been pretty stable here, whereas digital health funding has dipped a little bit in the beginning of 2022. Um, there's concerns about a digital health bubble, but so far that doesn't seem to be affecting clinical trials. Why is it such a lucrative sector? Because I think investors may see it as more stable. Um, mm. You know, it's been a longstanding push. There are a lot of important players that are working on it. Um, so, you know, it seems like, you know, to them, maybe not just a, a flash in the pan. It's something that could be sustainable for a long time going forward. So what has prevented, what have some of the obstacles been that have prevented clinical trials from changing? So there are a number of obstacles that have been in the way. Um, first and foremost, you know, the data problem is just really challenging. Um, health data has been siloed and mm. does not travel well between organizations. Um, competitors, there have been a number of incentives. You know, competitors aren't necessarily super willing to share health data. Yeah. You know, and even once the data is shared, it can be really hard to make sense of a lot of this health data. It can be really messy and it's hard to cut through the noise. Regulations, experts are telling me, can also be an obstacle. The FDA, one expert told me, um, the chief of medicine at UCSF, Bob Wachter, that the world of clinical trials was kind of built for pen and paper, and mm-hmm. that's kind of where we still are in some ways. And in terms of regulation, um, you know, they, he says that FDA is in kind of a tough spot because if they move too slowly, people get upset, and if they move too quickly, people also get upset at them. And there's just a general lack of preparedness also, um, lack of comfort with the technology. Not, ever, not all the clinical trial sets are ready for it, mm-hmm. and it can be expensive as well. So you mentioned some of the innovation that happened during the pandemic, looking for ways for telehealth to be a more robust part of clinical trials. But how would that actually work? I mean, from what I know about clinical trials, wouldn't it be harder to monitor people as closely as you need to with something like telehealth? Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily what the, the stance that what the companies would take. I think they would say it's easier to keep people, you know, involved in these trials because they can, mm-hmm. you know, have a telehealth appointment from wherever and check in on them or be constantly monitoring data from wearable devices like a smartwatch or a blood pressure cuff. Um, remote patient monitoring is really key to a lot of this and is um, gained a lot of momentum in recent years in the industry. The industry is really excited about this because they say you can constantly monitor people. For example, Apple's the Apple Watch has technology that can d- detect signs of AFib. So these sorts of technologies are really gaining steam and are kind of a key part of this push to modernize trials. So given that, given this new technology, how does the way that clinical trials are conducted impact the development of medicine and vaccines? So 
if it's inefficient and slow, it can really slow the you know process of getting drugs and treatments and medical devices to the consumer. Um, and it can also stifle innovation. If it's taking longer, you know, it can, um, it can be more difficult to get new products to the market. And there's also a push for using AI and drug discovery that can make it more efficient. They can, um, you know, find specific drugs that may work for specific people and it can hypothetically move things along faster. So, the speed is definitely important because the slower it is, the slower it is to get these new treatments to people that can, you know, really make a meaningful difference if it's, you know, a successful treatment. So I know you've been focusing on some of these kind of higher level elements in your reporting about moves that industry is making. But I'm curious about the impact on real world people. Like when might people be starting to experience this modernization you know, like, are we talking like cancer trials? I mean, th- we know that there's development of f- further COVID vaccines. Are there any really specific examples that you know of from your reporting? Yeah, so it's increasingly happening, definitely. Um, there's a goal by 2030 from the Clinical Trials Transformation Initiative, but it's, you know, I'd say fairly slow moving as of now. So I, I don't think it's, um, you know, all here by now, but as of now, you're much more likely to be enrolled in a remote trial, as we saw a lot of them move remote during COVID especially. We're increasingly going to see this technology more involved, in it, especially as a lot of these companies take off and mature. All right, that's our show for this week. I'm Annie Reese, and a huge thank you to Ben Leonard from our healthcare team for joining me. Pulsecheck senior editor is Raghumana Balan, and our executive producer is Jenny Amond. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you again next week. <laughs>